won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, sits and sieves, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 60 and was recorded on February 21st and made available for download on February 24th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. <clears throat> I say, and I'm Lennon. What ho, hey? No, you're not. No, I'm not. I'm Justin, and I'm sick of doing his job. But you do it so well. Have yourself another achievement for your collection. This one being the most frequent guest host. What do we have this week, Justin? In this week's Squawk Box, we tried to squeeze another few miles out of an iconic airframe. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our crowdfunding update, our latest letter from the chairman, a bit more about rental equipment credits, and the Orion concept sale. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we'd own the Hades system if it wasn't for those darn kids. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. One of the interesting possibilities of the new REC system will be the ability to swap out additional parts as soon as CIG comes out with them. There are a number of weapons already in the store and a couple of shields in the VD catalog that you can infect. I attach to your ship right now. And certainly that list will expand to things like, oh, engines in the future. Well, in Star Citizen, it's just a matter of getting the right size factor dialed in and then a mouse click or two and BAM! New engine. In the real world, say, replacing the engines on a B-52 Stratofortress, that's going to take an act of Congress and some tricky financial engineering. The Air Force is exploring the possibility of replacing the Buffs' eight 1960s-era Pratt & Whitney TF-33 turbofans with the company's F-117 engine, the same engine that powers the 757 and the C-17 cargo plane. This would be the plane's second engine upgrade in its service life, with the TF-33 replacing the original J-57 engine only 10 years after the B-52's maiden flight in, wait for it, 1952. As you might expect, running eight engines built in the 60s isn't exactly the most fuel-efficient way to fly around anymore. The buff burns about 3,000 gallons of jet fuel per flight hour. That's only a slightly higher burn rate than the 1982 Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser station wagon I had to drive in high school. However, thanks to the wisdom of Congress and the power of defense lobbies, the only way the Air Force is allowed to spend a little money to save a bunch of money in fuel costs is to trick a contract with a private entity to wait to get paid until the Air Force realizes those fuel savings during operations. Fingers crossed! Let's put this all into perspective. The B-52 was designed over a weekend in a hotel room in Dayton, Ohio in December of 1948. Its current out-of-service state with the Air Force is 2040. 
90 years after the first model rolled off the production line. And that's without replacing the current crop of greasy, smoky, noisy power plants. If this upgrade goes through, it could easily add another 20 years to their service life. Right now, the youngest B-52 airframe, built in 1962, is older than the oldest active U.S. Navy ship, the USS Blue Ridge, which is an amphibious command ship laid down in 1967. Now, the Navy does have two older inactive ships on their roster, but both are museums. One is the famous USS Constitution, which is powered by sails, and the other is the USS Pueblo, which is floating on the Bodong River in Pyongyang because the North Koreans captured her in 1952. So, when it comes to ship design and service longevity, I say we should give the Air Force the benefit of the doubt on this one. I thought the B-52s was the band. No. They are. They are named after a nuclear bomber, which is totally wrong because they're hippies. I have a close personal relationship with these aircraft, actually. Oh, I love them. I love these. I was in the Air Force. I was part of the military police, and it was our job to secure the aircraft, especially when they were armed with nuclear weapons. And so Mm. I have had an up-close-and-personal relationship with them. When I was a kid, my uh, my grandmother's house is right in the flight path of McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita. And during the 80s and 90s, we had B-52s stationed there. We always knew when they were coming because there would just there would just be this rumbly, screamy whine, and you'd know they were coming. And then when they actually flew over her house, the glass and things would rattle on shelves. And that was just them coming in for a straight landing. So yeah, I, they're just they're they're massive, majestic beasts. Uh, in the air, and I'd love to see him fly for a century. That would be, that kind, of would be cool. kind of cool. I, I, the funny, one of the funniest stories, there were four alert aircraft that were always on the flight line ready to take off at a moment's notice. Of course, when I was doing this, we, were, we still had a Soviet Union and, and Cold War. But I remember I was walking from the wingtip to wingtip around the outside on the backside of it, and one of my friends was one of the flight crew on one of them, and uh, he turned on the back tail turret, which tracked me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like, like quad. <laughs> yeah, four 50 millimeter yes. cannons. Uh, sitting there going, yeah, tracking your. your <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, and that, I mean, 1948. I mean, the World War II had just ended. So. Yeah, there's a tail gun on a international intercontinental strategic nuclear bomber. I mean, it's just it's just a it's to, it's a total throwback. But it's one of the things that that's that's cool about this. I don't know if they, I don't know if the, the H, the H model is the one that's currently flying. I don't know if that one has the tail gun. They might've taken that one off by the time they got to the H model, but still, I mean, it had the B-52 had a tail gun. Seriously. That's how much of a throwback, how much of an an anachronism this thing is. But man, it's just, it's like, how do you get that thing into the air and how does it stay? Oh man, those things taking off make a noise. Oh my God. Well, that's part of it too. They want to replace those engines because of the, I mean, the humongous amount of noise they make. They're not fuel efficient. I mean, you always know when a B-52 has been through your airspace because there's still that black contrail there like, you know, 20 minutes later. I was at Loring Air Force Base in Maine and uh, it it was just remote and you knew you were out there guarding something. (laughs) The the, the, the auditory reminder was, I'm sure, constant. Town just up the road here. There's a B-52 bomber and a gas station and restaurant underneath it. What? It literally has a B-52 bomber? Yes. A real bomber. Like it, like one of those was discontinued? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure... Seriously? I've, yeah. Uh, pretty sure I've been inside one at the uh, Air Museum here in Oregon, too. So that was cool. See, one of the cool things about the uh, the Wikipedia page, they, they always have a list of where you can find decommissioned or out-of-service aircraft that are on display. 
there is a B-52G on static display at Langley Air Force Base in Hampton, Virginia. So if anybody out there is listening near Hampton, Virginia, you can go stand underneath one and just gaze in awe at the monstrosity that is the B-52. I wonder if they'll go from the uh, four twin engines to the two four engines. No. Nope, nope, nope. Under this current proposal, there was a proposal or an earlier proposal in the 90s that would do that. That would that would take the eight and take it down to four. But Pratt and Whitney's basically saying, no, we'll keep you'll keep the eight. Hmm. You'll keep the eight engines. We'll just redesign the pylons to to hold eight of these modern larger turbofans. Oh, so I mean, yeah, they would still they would still keep the eight engines. I mean, think about that too. I mean, the engines nowadays are much wider, right? Much larger, right. heavier. But the wings are still going to be able to theoretically hold those things. Everyone should go check out the YouTube channel where there's a YouTube uh, movie out there where a B-52 on its, in a test flight sometime in the 60s lost its entire vertical stabilizer. The thing just fell off. And it flew like 800 miles from New Mexico to McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, missing its tail and landed safely. Yeah, it was over-engineered. And, and don't get me wrong, well, yeah. I love over-engineering. I think everything in the world oh should God. be over-engineered. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's the and that's you know you don't they don't make them like they used to. No, they sure as hell don't. It's just it's a it just boggled my mind when I saw it. And it was one of those old 1960s you know old timey things like we put this video together because we think that the engineering lessons learned from this aircraft should be important into future designs. And it was like the old guy with the tiny little narrow tie. Oh yeah, and they had a guy with glasses and a white coat, you know, going. The B-52 is a vertical stabilizer. I mean, it was just a total, I mean, everything that you would think of in a 1960s instructional video, totally there. But, but it's, And it's a good story, too, to boot. So If that happened with one of today's planes, they would have just totaled it and you had to get a new one. Yep. Eject. Yeah, everything, <laughs> I mean, to, theoretically, today's planes can't fly on their own. They're all fly-by-wire and, and computers, so. That's the other thing that's crazy. If this jet gets to be 100 years old, I mean, it will be probably one of the only manual linkage hydraulic controlled aircraft still in the air i mean i mean if i mean i don't i don't i don't know what the economics of it are but i can imagine trying to replace the guts of the control surfaces and everything with a fly-by-wire system in the b-52 held by new planes at that point essentially i mean it'll it'll be analogous to having a sail powered ship still in your navy having a mechanically and hydraulically controlled airplane in the Air Force in 2014. I thought, uh, about your Navy piece there, I thought the Mo was still part of the uh, part of the Navy. As no, no, all those battleships were, were mothballed. They're, they're decommissioned. Or, I mean, some of them got turned into museums. Right, uh, like the Constitution but they're, they're not listed did, on the active. I thought it was still part of on the Navy's reg- registry. Well, the Constitution is still active. It's on the Navy roster as an active ship, but it only, I think the last time it left port was in 1997 or something like that. I mean, it doesn't ever do anything. And it's on there as a, it's sort of a conceit. You know, it's, you know, America's Navy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just a thing. It's just a, a tourism thing or, a, or an honorary thing. But the most, old, the oldest active ship is that, uh, is that command ship, that amphibious command ship. Uh, but all the battle, all the battleships retired. Yeah, but I did know that up until like 2001 or two or something, the, the battleships were station ready. Was that the term? No, and they weren't station ready. They were battle ready or something. They had at a moment notice they could be put into service or something. It was really odd. Yeah, not anymore. I think they're all they're all totally off the off the roster now. They're hulks now. They're not service worthy anymore. I'll, I'll find the link for the broken tail thing because that's a, it's a hell of a story. So that'll be in the show notes for everybody to watch as well. So have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. 
Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for February 21st, 2015, 73312000 another 800000 It seems to me that folks are somewhat keen on this mining deal they got going on. 760,000 star citizens are out there now, up another 6,000, and the UE8 has swelled by an additional 5,000 ships, up to 630,000. Still growing like a weed, kids. Although no longer directly tied to the cracking of another million dollar milestone, by the craziest coincidence, we have another letter from the chairman. As usual with this new format, we're given a brief look at what we can expect to happen in the medium term over at CIG. Chris lets us know that the next few months are the time we have been waiting for. Early build versions of various parts of the game will start coming online and slowly move towards integration. He's doubling down on the release schedule that they've been touting since late 2014. According to prior announcements, the first test of that is the FPS module in late March, or early April according to us. He goes on to remind us that there will be bugs, they go with the territory of course, but even failures like last week's first attempt at a dev dogfight day contain the kernels of future success. That lurking bug that scrapped the event would never have been discovered except for the attempt. Again, showing backers, lurkers, and doubters alike, there is something to be said for trying bold things and risking failure. But some of the best news in the letter comes from Chris's commitment to the community. He's just hired Disco Lando to produce a monthly CIG show focused on the amazing talent around the Star Citizen community. Despite the fact that the forthcoming Wonderful World of Star Citizen is a visual show, we're pleased to announce that Guard Frequency is featured in the premiere. We'd like to think it's due to our amazing ability to paint word pictures with our sultry voices. Ooh yeah. But Lando told us he made a stock of visuals for us. Here's hoping it rocks. This is a great letter from the chairman, I think. I mean, they really are committing to the release schedule. I think it bodes well for my prediction from the prediction show that the sort of the management team that he's got in place now is really kind of a machine now. It's got, you know, all the moving parts are meshing. There's resources in the right places. There's energy in the right spots. They're really committed to actually, you know, churning out the results on time. So this was a real feel-good, rah-rah sort of uh, letter, I thought, from, from Mr. Roberts. Then how about that Disco Lando fella as well, huh? I mean, here's a guy, longtime visible community contributor. I mean, he's, he's been in there since the Wingman's Hangar days with creative input. Uh, he's had a couple of fun videos out there that he put together. Lots of great questions for Wingman's Hangar. And uh, CIG says, you know what? Why don't you come do that for real? That's another signal from, from CIG uh, uh, HQ that they really do value the contributions of the community. And they're, they're, they know that we're part of what's going to make the game a success. Did you notice his name's on the credits for Around the Verse? Did he make the graphics Yeah, it's a gra- uh, graphics. I don't know how long it's been yeah. there. I just didn't notice it until this week. So it may have been there a long time. If I remember correctly, he came up with one of the graphics. I don't know if it's the little corner emblem they use or the main graphic itself. I don't remember. But again, another another case in point. You know, he's he's always contributing, and and, and he's been uh, just a, a star citizen community staple for a long, long time. Way to be Disco Lando. Total side note, but another fun another fun fact about the community and how awesome Star Citizen's community is. Uh, one of the early early podcasters, Doctor Hawk, ran into some trouble in the real world and uh, reached out to the Star Citizen community for a little boost. But uh, within 24 hours, uh, the Star Citizen community came together and gave Dr. Hawk that little bit of a bump that he needed to get through a little bit of trouble. So here's again to the Star Citizen community and how it pulls together and hangs together. Hope, Dr. Hawk, if you're listening out there, everything turns out okay for you. But uh, just another great example of we put our we put our muscle where our mouth is, if needed, in here out, the, out here in Star Citizen land. So uh, 
Way to go, everybody. Give yourselves a pat on the back from us. This is the pat on the back sound. Chris, call me. Yeah, you know the number. So last week, we got into a bit of a discussion. I had some bones. They were picked. I had some comments. They were made. And uh, I went searching for additional information, and it was forthcoming in the form of three additional clarifications from CIG on the rental equipment credits, the REC system. Now, Chris Roberts himself, the man, had two posts on the forums, and there was a 20-minute segment from Calix Renault, the designer of the REC system, and Travis Day, producer out in Santa Monica. I read the post in depth. I watched the 20-minute thing. I have some additional thoughts, clarifications uh, on their part, and rethought positions on my part. I just want to sort of run through the highlights here. One thing that I took from the video interview was that the REC is supposed to stand the test of time. It's a system that they intend on using starting now and through the various permutations of the Persistent Universe for whatever it is to come for years. So, And it also it's meant to be a system where you try something before you buy fine. I still think that it should be a buy permanently, not rent before you buy system, but uh, apparently that ship has sailed. The duration system that they clarified about how it's a seven-day rental, but that's seven login days, not seven days the counter starts the first time you use it. So if you log in, you've just used one day of your rental, you can wait two weeks and then log in again. You'll have used your second day the next time you log in. So that's a little better. I mean, that that's fine, but it's still, there's an expiration period. That also completely negates their argument about it only unbalances the system for a week because, of course, I can take that week over months. I can take a login now, wait three weeks, login again. Here I am again three weeks later and still unbalancing the game somehow, whatever exploit that was. Stats from Travis and Calix. 80% of current Arena Commander players are only doing single player. Only 20% play any version of multiplayer at all. That's a problem for me. And it could be that 80% of the people just don't care about rental equipment credits, but I'm willing to bet that at least some percentage of those people want to try new things, want to try new guns. And they're just not going to be able to unless they stop playing the way they want to play and start playing the way CIG wants them to play. I have a problem with this. But apparently they've talked about this and that's the design intent. The problem that I see moving forward also is that Vandal Co-op Swarm is not listed in the modes in which you earn wreck for time but it's in the cards now it is in there in the daily challenges but it's not included in the time versus reward component that's a problem because i'm putting in just as much time into vandal swarm co-op as a lot of people are on the other pvp stuff i'm multiplayer but i my time is not rewarded there as much as it is for pvp if enough people play co-op vandal swarm and the daily challenge is met then i might get something in the terms of rec but that's out of my hands and the, the major problem I have with it, this is where it all comes down. I, I honestly think that this is going to be the early prototype for the Star Citizen time currency. And it all comes from the interview with Calix and Travis. They're talking about a community chest where the community unlocks certain bonuses. That's a currency sink. That's something that people who have too much wreck and not enough ships and guns to unlock can put their extra wreck into. Personal progression. I've killed 50 ships. Achievement unlock. Currency sink. Unlockable handicaps or extra challenges where you're disadvantaged, but if you can still beat the game at that, when you have the disadvantage, more wreck is awarded to you. Currency sync. Flare, IFF names that are unique or special. Currency sync. So this is the beginning of a Star Citizen time currency prototype, and I, for one, would like to see it launched correctly because all the design decisions are going to be made off of some of these basic assumptions, and I, wanna, I want them to get it right because it's going to be with us for a long time. 
All right. Well, Shiv, out of the three of us last week, you were the one that had the most nice things to say about the current design. So, I mean, has this reinforced anything of your opinions, or do you have different perspective now, or what do you think? It's nice to know that co-op form may be added, but I, I didn't have too much problem with it. Once it was clarified that it wasn't seven days exactly, but seven different days in whenever you use them, that's nicer, because that removes all the problem of people can only play once a week while they still get their seven days worth. So I, I think it's okay, and I don't know how much this will transfer to the Persistent Universe as far as a time currency, because I think the currency there will just be what you get in the game. And if you need to spend money instead of time to get UEC, it seems like they're already going to have that. You just buy some UEC. So I don't know that there will be a time currency in the Persistent Universe that matches what's in Arena Commander. But what it may be testing is... How much time is worth one Omni Sky, for instance? That may be what's being tested. Sure, yeah, exactly. And as far as I can tell, if you don't want to get in trouble with real-world monetary authorities, and if you don't want to have the sort of problems that real actual currencies have, there's got to be some kind of stabilizing unit of account to reward people. And the only universal currency that I can think of that is that applies to everybody is time. I mean, your time in-game is the only constant among people in Germany, among people in Sweden, among people in the United States. Their currencies may fluctuate in relation to to each other, but the amount of time you spend in the game doing skill-based things, performing missions, doing, you know, trading ores or whatever, that's what's universal to every player. If it's just a free-floating currency, I mean, even Eve has the Plex, right? And that's a time thing. Every It's a month. That's a time-based currency. Even though you pay real money for it, the trade value it has is connected to a clock on Earth. It's a month's worth of playtime. So it just seems to me like there's got to be some kind of time-based currency in there because it's the only thing that's universal to all the players. We're saddened at the absence of our good friend Lennon because he tweeted to all of his followers, and I sort of retweeted to all of the Guard Frequency followers, that he has some he has some bones to pick with my bones to pick, but he is not here to deliver on those. So we're going to have to be patient and wait for him to show up hopefully next week so he can tell me all the ways that I'm wrong. I want to try to get to uh, what I think would be a criticism he would have, and so, but I don't want it to be too Rex-specific. So what I've done here is I've come up with some things that Lennon could nail me on, um, and I'm going to try to do it as Len and Shiv has agreed to be me responding to these potential criticisms that Lennon could give me. So, here we go. Um, Tony? Tony, are you there? Yes. Uh, Tony, I want to demonstrate for our audience how exactly mental you are about this wreck system. I mean, I could nitpick apart your arguments, but I'm not going to. I'm going to attack your basic observational skills when it comes to your factual bases. Now, for example, you completely fail to notice that in Around the Verse, they have a traveling fedora at CIG. The same hat was on Calix Renault as on Ryan Archer in the Austin office. You completely missed it. How can we take you seriously when you've missed that? All I could see was prairie chickens. <laughs> but, see, as I said, your focus is completely wrong. Okay, and secondly, how did you miss that Calix Renault is just a lowmaster without any hair? The beard, the attitude, it's all him. Well, the cat was playing with my curtains and the kids kept slamming the door. I can't pay attention to everything. You see, you're, you're confessing to your inability to pay attention to the basic facts. And I think right there we have to discount all of your opinions about the currency based on that confession. Well, there. I'm just uh, charging up my overpowered Nerf gun and we'll see what happens. Right. Well, we'll, we'll, we will see, won't we? 
Bon tweet. All right, I'm going to turn off Lennon now. I, I don't know if I did him justice or not, but we'll find out. This week, CIG hits us one time. Two times. The double shot of mining in the UEE. First up, detailed dev posts from Tony Zervek about the dangers and rewards of the mining career. There are currently five specialists in the design. Players or NPCs will need to run the refinery, the laser cutter, the ore collector, the mineral scanner, and of course, hold the ship steady while you try to crush a million ton rock in the vacuum of space. There's tons of good stuff in there, from how to get a mining job, to where to find the raw material, how to sell your ore. The one thing we left out, what kind of ship do I need to fly to realize my dreams of Everest? Well, look no further than the latest concept sail, the RSI Orion. She's 170 meters long, 50 across the beam, and 50 from keel to masthead. She comes complete with Mark IV remote mining devices and features an onboard refinery and a system of saddlebag class storage units. Further, you'll get a lifetime insurance, an in-game poster, and in-game model for your hangar. And all of this can be yours. But you better act fast, because if you don't send CIG $325 before March 2nd, the deal is gone. Just like to point out, it's mostly a coincidence, but I like mining. The sale ends March 2nd, my birthday's in March. I don't know how these are connected, but... I don't know either. It's a conspiracy, I'm telling you. If you solve the puzzle, I get a prize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it's going to yeah, work no, out. No, that's, uh, not, not so much. Yeah. As much as I picked on CIG for the wreck stuff, I got to hand it to them when they hit a home run. It's a little high, but yeah, I have to agree. I mean, if I was a miner, if I wanted to be a dirty, stinking, you know, sweating the whole miner, then yeah, this would this would do it for me. This would give me my swing. Well, for me, I think the way they've done it is this is the model, right? I mean, this is how they should be doing these concept sales from now on. They've got a detailed in into the into the nuts and bolts design post that lays out all the things that are going to be possible with the ship, the various roles players can play, and then right on the heels, bam, they put the ship out there and hook in the sale of the dream with some nuts and bolts of the details of how you're going to be able to use it in the universe. I mean, this this, this is perfect. Well, the way they did this one, yes. Do this again with all those other ships that are still waiting to come out because this is absolutely the model for how to, to run these things from now on. My, my hat's off to them for putting this together spot on. I, I still have yet to see a starting mining a mining profession rig that will let you earn up to this beautiful platform. I, I, I still got to say this is a beautiful platform. My hats are off to the dev team and, and for everybody. I, I still think they're missing the boat when it comes to getting going in the game. Well, I agree. I mean, this is not what this is not going to be a starter ship, but there are going to be folks out there that will pledge for it. I mean, they've made eight hundred thousand dollars in the last week. Five hundred thousand dollars, I think, was today when they started the the ship sale. So, I mean, these vessels will be out there on day one. There'll be NPCs with these ships out there on day one. But this is this is the mining ship that if you and your buddies want to get out there and do stuff, this is your platform. And I, and this is this is my barometer, Jeff. I agree with you. It's still it's still kind of pricey. It's you know it's up there with the fancier versions of the constellation. But my barometer on this one is, I considered for a moment melting my Connie. Oh my! Yeah, and the combination of the detail of the kind of gameplay you'll be able to have and the the concept ship. I'm really looking forward to seeing it uh, go from 
the concept stage that it's in now to you know more real hangar ready so we can get, people can get some in-game shots of it and put it on YouTube to see how it flies. So just kudos. Kudos, CIG. Whatever's left out there in your concept stack, do this. But now it's time for News We Didn't Use. Inside CIG, the Imaginarium, get behind the scenes look at the motion capture of Star Citizen. Galactic Guide Virgil System. It used to be so nice until the Vandal moved in. Help pick the Star Citizen box art. What's your favorite ship? Around the Verse, episode 32, features Sandy battling a pinata. We won't tell you who wins. 10 for the Chairman, episode 53. Chris Roberts answers some of your questions and goes off on some tangent. really surprise i know hmm. but uh, but shiv has been sort of shepherding a thread for a long time on the game suggestions forum and there was a question on there that was uh, or came awfully close to to the idea that we've bandied about here on the show a couple times uh, shrike asked if i'm a law-abiding ue citizen and stumble across a shipwreck in space should i have any reservations about salvaging the wreck and selling anything that i'm able to from a legal perspective now, Shiv, what was our concept? This is the updated version since the town hall mentioned chance cubes. Basically, it mm-hmm. was originally if a ship gets wrecked and let's just say there's bits left, there's cargo floating around, and whoever blew up the ship doesn't pick it up, nobody else around. When the instance closes, Chris said, well, that goes away. But my idea was that's not cool because that kind of that breaks the immersion. You would imagine that that stuff would last for at least some amount of time. But my idea was to put the items lost in space on a table. So when someone flies through and the dice roll says, you find a wreck floating in space, instead of generating random a ship with 37 chickens on it, it, it rolls on the stuff that you might find here. And, oh, this is the ship that was lost. And so you might find your own wreck by flying through space again. And he mentioned something here that sounded like that idea, where if there is a shipwreck, it will bump up the chance of finding a shipwreck in the system. I don't know that it will be the same cargo. I don't know if it will add, say you lose a freelancer with boxes of doodads on it. Will it add a chance of freelancer with boxes of doodads? But at least it sounds like the more wrecks that happen, the more chance you'll find a wreck. Well, I like I like your concept, Shiv, because what it does is it provides kind of a, a bright line. One, I mean, the question that, that Chris was presented with was, should I be worried about selling stuff? I think your idea, Shiv, provides a nice bright line. If the instance closes and then the, the loot responds because of the chance cube, I think it's free and clear. But if you're in the instance when the guy's being attacked, if you come across that, you have sort of a duty to either try to help or to report it right. or to or to scoop up the loot and return it, you know, because you're sort of witnessing it happening. Yeah, especially if you see it happening. I wonder if there'll be a timer, like you can scan it and say, oh, well, this has been floating around for a month, so it's free game. But if it's... I mean, I mean yeah, that would be like... Yeah, that would be good for in-fiction, but I think just as a matter of server management and game rulings to make it really clear for people so it's not hard to understand, I think maybe that, you know, the instance closing and then respawning as a, you know, shipwreck, that makes it a real clear, bright line so that players that don't want to 
be bad guys at all can have a real clear understanding that look this is fair game it's been out there for too long the instance closed it's it's mine i can right. take it additionally there was another question asked about pu instances where you're trying to follow somebody the quote person of interest system i like chris's answers i thought we're moving in a good direction here but i had a concern that it could be used in a sort of a metagaming way for real stalking which would not be something that would be fun or cool I think it would be neat to have a way to have your Moby Glass triggered if, like, more than one game day or instance or whatever happened and that person kept tagging you as a person of interest or just never removed the person of interest tag and also never sent you a friend request. I think there's some in-fiction way that the person who keeps getting tagged as a person of interest or is continuously a person of interest but never asked with a friend request or whatever, just to give that to, to give the, the, the tagged person a little bit of a heads up that someone is, in fact, following you. And I think it's fair as far as, you know, being a, a bounty hunter or bounty hunted, your Moby Glass is smart enough to tell you that you're being followed. People look over their shoulders more these days, and I would think that in a wired society where everyone's wearing a computer on their wrist, I would think that this sort of thing would evolve as a matter of course. I hope to heck that they have some... I know that Chris wants to build a real-life persistent universe, but I hope they put things in, in place that prevent... What if somebody wants to play a um, deranged pedophile? Oh, yeah, you can do that just by, you know, you know, it's okay. Welcome to our persistent universe. Uh, yeah, you can, you can yeah, be, exactly. you know, whatever you want to be. I mean, I just, you know, the more we enable, yeah, the more to be enablance we exactly. give in games and stuff like this, the more enablance we give people in real life. Yeah, and and, I, and that's kind of where my concern comes from. I well, my son's going to be playing this game, and I, as a parent, I think I'd want to know if somebody was actually stalking him around, and not just you know, haha, in-game fun. I'm you know, I've got a I'm a bounty hunter, and I'm tracking you stuff. But hey, you're a little kid, and I want to trick you into giving me your UEC, or you know, uh, scam you in some other way, or I really am a deranged lunatic in real life, and I like little boys. I mean, I would like to know that. Uh, I would like there to be a system in place where if escalation is appropriate, I can escalate if I need to. And, and I think that a lot of people, if you think this through, would probably agree that there needs to be, and there can be, an in-fiction way to let people in real life know this one player is a little too interested in you. But that then sets up the opportunity to, if it's not a game anymore, that will become readily apparent. You know, if this is if someone's doing this because of real life reasons, it'll become readily apparent that they're not just sort of playing the game back and forth. There's something else going on. And I, but the first step in that is to let the person of interest know you're a person of interest to this person an awful lot. Yeah. And, and that's all. And that, those are my suggestions. You know, our suggestions for the week and our discussions. But the most important thing is where the f- is the first person shooter module? I mean, we got to know. I mean, they said it's coming, but I'm still impatient. So in the meantime, Justin, what have you been doing? I haven't played a whole lot of games this week, but I did have a, a fun story. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite games is Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah. And I was playing it through the second time on the director's cut. And the first time I played, I, I didn't kill many people, but I killed a few people. And then I found out there's an achievement. No kills, you get an achievement. Uh, bosses don't count. Oh, okay. Because they're, they're just going to die. Yeah, you have to kill them. Uh, but one of the parts, there's someone you can save, but it's much harder to do if you're not just blowing people up. But I managed to do that last night. So hey. Normally I play very sneaky, but to do it fast enough, I was like throwing grenades, running at guys with giant machine guns, punching them in the face. Right. And it took me a few tries and lots of reloads, but I finally did it. 
So you need another achievement unlocked. Yes, sound. I actually did get an achievement. Now, Jeff, <laughs> I don't need to ask you this question because I know what your answer is. No, you don't. What did we do this week? Actually, I, I worked a lot this week. I had I didn't play much game time at all. Oh, but but what game time you had was quality game time, was it not, sir? Uh, yes, it was. It was. In fact, it was my highlight of the week. What did we do, Jeff? You hit level ninety and well. <sighs> no, we got Jeff off his addiction. There, he's 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 done. He's he didn't need twelve step program after all. He just needed work, and he needed this one other thing. We beat uh, wave eighteen in the Van Duel Swarm. Oh yeah, Tony and I, the two of us. Oh yeah, in our awesome Super Hornets for the win. Awesome Super Hornets beat the pants off him. Stock loadouts. We didn't we didn't like load up with like That's six right. Omni skies right. or anything. Stock, Stock loadouts. loadouts. And uh, another point of it, my my control system was malfunctioning, so I had to go back to the secondary control system, which was keyboard and mouse. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was, it was for the win. I'm sure some of you jockeys out there have, you know, beat Wave 18 the first time it came out, blah, blah, blah. But Jeff and I are old. Yeah. I mean, we are old. We are parents. We are part-timey. I need glasses half the time. Jeff needs broadcast glasses. Yeah. I have, like, people shouting over at me while I'm trying to do this. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's chaotic. But, it was yeah. a moment that you could not live again. Now, the next time we do it, the next time we do it, it'll just be, ah. You know, level 18. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, we've been here, been here, done that. So congratulations to me and Jeff. I'm congratulating myself and congratulating And Jeff. I'm congratulating uh, on, me on, and Tony because that was uh, pretty awesome. Yes. Shiv, would you like to congratulate us too? Congratulations. Thanks. So I'm sure, you, I'm sure you, you're really good at this game, Shiv, so I'm sure you beat Wave 18 a long time ago. I have beat Wave 18 in the past. In the past. How many Omni Skies did you have? Two. And now I have three. I didn't have any. Jeff, how many Omni Skies did you have? I didn't have any. Yeah. We did do it on easy mode. I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. But still, we win. Yes. All right. This week's community question. Who's ready to play in the rocks in space? Are you grabbing your space pickaxe and hitching up your space donkey for a career in space mining? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's go and find out all we can about the Hades system in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Last time on Doodly New Investigations. Gosh, Doodly! We just barely made it back to the Mystery Mustang to escape Hades 1. I thought we'd never get away. I wanted to leave the entire system, but it looks like all clues lead to Hades 3. Some say the tortured souls on the wrecks orbiting a planet haunt all the way down to the surface, and the specters will attack each other, spelling doom to any mortal who gets in their way. Sounds scary, doodly. We should be careful. Uh, someone sabotaged the Xenoarchaeology environmental suits. How will we leave the base camp? We die in seconds in the atmosphere. I thought only for a second. Humanoid, blue veins, looked like it had any skin on its body. And it looked right at me. There, there was a crash. I startled and I looked back. The thing was gone. But it's always right there in my mind. I can't ever forget it. Doodly, look, there it is. Wait, if it wasn't old man Roberts, then who else could it be? 
coming up this week. There have been so many accidents at the archaeology site. Maybe it's foul play. Maybe it's something far more sinister. But gosh, Dooley, someone wants the digging here to stop. These illegal curium miners on Hades too mean business, and it's a mean business. But we have to talk to them. They're the only ones who can help us. You yeah, we're a long way from the train lanes. We, we might be dead before anyone hears us call for help. At least we have a nice view of Hades 4. The whole planet cracked in half. Hey, Dooley, how do you think that happened? Maybe it was like that time you ate that really bad burrito. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a nugget of lore some Sit or Siv taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at cardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he has a cybernetic earlobe and that his guacamole recipe is lower cow than marshmallow cream. But all we know is he's called the shiv and he put together this week's feedback. Lots and lots of feedback again this week, which we love. Thank you so much. We'll put as much as we can into the show here. Speed reading it starting now. We were wrecking the Van Duel in the Swarm this week with Kanitsu saying, Tony, what is up with you lately? All of a sudden, you're always right. You guys rant like a boss all the time, every time. And that's not always a good thing, he says. Excluding Vandal Swarm from the ability to earn credits will cause it to fall into obscurity by those that want the credits and will leave those of us that play Vandal Swarm missing out on the credits and all the gear that it entails. One thing they could do is make it so you don't start earning credits till X number of waves in and at a slower rate than PvP matches. Sean Newboy, wonderful show, everyone. As to the community question, I agree with Kenitsu. Roykin says, I would love some wreck in Private Vandal Swarm since that's pretty much all I play currently, but at a reduced rate, no more than 50 or 60% of the amount of wreck earned in the ranked PvP mode, simply due to the risk versus reward aspect. The Vandal always do the same things. Having played ranked PvP matches for wreck would motivate me to get out there and do just that, since it's easy to balance human against AI, but less easy to balance, if even possible, players against other players. With all that disagreement with you guys stated, another great show. Adon says, hey, really enjoyed the show, guys. Great work. I did want to bring up a point you guys didn't discuss when it comes to targeted testing on the rental system. You stated that if they wanted everyone to test a 300 series, they should just give them to everyone like they currently do. I expect this doesn't give them the results they're expecting. Hand everyone eight Omniskies and I'm not testing the 300 series. I'm testing how my Cutlass does with five Omnisky 6s. Those that do fly the 300 series are in an environment that's very abnormal and may not give them the data points they want. Meanwhile, if you just make a rental cheaper, then people may pick it up and actually fly it, thereby increasing the overall 300 series ships to normal environment. As for the community questions, what the darn hell? Why doesn't ridding the universe of some fake Vanduul get me anything? Osteron says, I like the idea of equipment rentals because it allows for a try-before-you-buy situation with weapons. I've been hesitant to buy any of the weapons specifically because I don't know if it'd be worth it. I'm not a fan of the fact you don't get wreck in Vandal Swarm. This is going to sound forum-level ragey, but I don't think that decision is doing anything to encourage people who are banking on Chris's repeated statement that the game will be viable to play solo. Then again, many real-life esports games with internal currency give reduced or no prizes for going against AI. So maybe this is just an immersion thing. 
Montillado writes in and says, hopefully the current focus on PVP is only temporary thing, reflecting a desire to better test that aspect of the game. Thank you, Amontillado. Ken Shadow, the peacock of Pyro, says there are two reasons they made Wreck. One, to assuage the whole pay-to-win argument around Arena Commander. The new system may be a grind, but it addresses the issue directly and completely. Number two, it lets people play ships they don't own outside the free fly weekends. This lets people more freely try than buy ships without making financial commitments up front. You guys kind of skipped over the elephant or fence in the room during your conversation. Main reason is the pledge campaign itself. CIG doesn't want their customers that are spending hundreds of dollars on a ship to be reminded that the same ships will be possible to earn later for a lot less time than they were imagining. Rentals take the bite out of any concerns in this regard. Say old Ian, Jeff, I give up. Say my name as you wish. You make me laugh. And yes, Tony, I am a smart guy. Regarding the community question, Wreck is a compromise for PVPers and an opportunity for CIG to collect data, as Chris mentioned. How does offering Wreck for Vandal Swarm co-op help CIG test multiplayer arena commander and weapons balances between the ships? Very little. Wreck is not a second currency either, it's a mechanism in a simulator. This is the most important part of all the feedback ever. Shiv was the only one with a good answer that considered the whole point. AC is not an endgame for you, but it is for some. Love you guys and love the show. Yay, stickers, rank complete. Whew, I need a drink. Benu says, One thing that stuck out from the in-depth Wreck discussion was, Wreck is here to stay and is designed to last past the launch of the full Persistent Universe. This surprised me. I figured it was going to go away once the PU launches. But on the other hand, it does answer the question about how, in the Persistent Universe, is it rational for a ship dealer to allow you to test fly a ship that you could easily just steal or get shot out from under you? A possible answer is that the ship dealer just points you to their sim pod that's preloaded with REC. Tumblr says, I look forward to earning some wrecks so I can buy some extra guns for my ships because I do not want to try using a trio of weapons on my Avenger like the Mass Driver or Neutron Cannon. I'm content with the system as is, but I think CIG is going to find a lot of players are going to get more vocal about the state of things. PvP combat to me is boring. The ships turn so fast that fights end up feeling like head-to-head jousting matches all too often. All right. All right, boys. We got a lot to tuck into here. A lot of good feedback this week, and we didn't even get to all of it because of just so many people writing in. Thank you, everybody who does it. We love you all for doing it. It helps keep this uh, two-way conversation going. So, Shiv... You were shouted out particularly as having the only the only viewpoint that encompassed the entire situation. Go ahead. The floor is yours. It makes sense for people who are going to play Arena Commander over and over that they're just going to get more wreck every time they play. So why not? A rental hardly means anything. They're just going to keep getting what they want. They'll try new things. They'll try the same things. And they'll throw extra wreck in the community chest and get more things. So for those who only want to play Arena Commander... I think this system's going to work. I agree with you. I just hope that it's not a system in the persistent universe for me to go to a ship dealer and test out a new ship I want to try out or to try out a new weapon. I think it's silly to rent something that I may possibly just buy. Yeah, yeah. If you, and if you want to keep making, you know, we're trying to do immersion, right? We're trying to think about real life stuff. If you want to test drive a ship or a vehicle or anything like that, you hand over your driver's license or a credit card or something and then you just take the car out maybe with the salesman you know in the seat with you you know i mean do something else for the trying before you buying part if you want to make it a separate game make it 
more game-like. I don't know of any games that I would play right now in the real world where you just rent or have a, some sort of time lock on the prizes you get. I keep going back to the Mario Kart analogy. You know, once my kid unlocks the parachute for that particular race, he can use that parachute always and forever. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to make a currency and then have that currency be only good for buying things that expire. And I can tell you right now that months down the road, I'm going to go, oh, man, I need 20,000 rec to get. Uh, just not going to do it. I'm so tired of doing the, this or that or, you know, it's going to be fun in the beginning. Everybody's going to be gung ho after it. But then it's just going to I've, I've seen it so many times in games where the system just gets yeah. lost because of inactivity. People just don't want to. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The prize no longer has value or meaning once the additional push has gone on. And this, and this is something that really, and I'm going to use, our, again, our lingua franca, Star Trek Online. I got really frustrated with that game uh, and eventually stopped playing it because of the idea of hurting your players towards certain things and fooling around with the incentives and the rates of earning to try to drive people to those things. I don't like the concept of, quote, directed testing. I don't like the concept of, tweaking with the reward levels to incentivize players to do certain things. It's kind of insulting a little bit because I am aware that that's going on. It's a little degrading because let me just play the game I want to play it. I mean, that's what you're supposed to be doing here, right? You're supposed to, we're supposed to be able to play the game the way we want to play. I understand it's testing right now. I understand we're in alpha stage and CIG would like to incentivize certain stresses on certain areas of the game. I mean, I get that. We're in testing. I just don't want this to be the beginning of that sort of herd mechanic. There's some other good suggestions in here, you know, uh, PVE earning at a lower rate than PVE. That was I mean, a pretty. That was a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah, I mean that's not bad. I mean then you still you can still earn the currency type just at a lower rate. That that makes it like you know okay fine so it's not as valuable to you CIG that I'm not doing it. You still would be hurting me a little bit towards that way, but you're not penalizing me for not doing the thing you want me to do. Uh, I like that idea. And uh, Ostron, it's not forum level ragey. This is kind of the point. You know, we're promised that we can play the game we want to play it. But of course, then you set up incentive systems that completely leave me out of that arena. If I don't want to do that kind of thing, I'm out of that reward system. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who retweeted our tweets, some of which Robert Space Industry themselves favorited. That was nice. Black Sun Redo says, First time listener, first time caller, nice show. And Ken from Chicago says, if you do wreck yourself in Star Citizen, there's one channel you can call out for search and rescue. Guard frequency. Hell yeah. Daniel Fury King from the UK says, Just wanted you guys to know that you mostly talked about our police and their uniform from the UK, not our rescue services, as we have many parts. The police tend to have fluorescent jackets on top of mostly black. The rescue tends to be orange high-vis suits, depending if it's air, sea, or land. On the topic of police, stab vests. Just an idea that's anti-stab. I like the idea of a theme for the org outfits and the ship schemes. Maybe you need to figure out the types of divisions in the org. Search and rescue, cartographers, emergency fuel, ambulance, tow service, galactic mechanics. Too many ideas. Keep up the great podcast. I like that. I, I, you know, it's kind of cool that uh, yeah. we'll have to we'll have People's to have a corporation. Yeah, we'll have to have a corporation meeting here and see what divisions we can do. That's right. See, we have divisions of this sort of thing. I mean, yeah, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. And further on the whole Twitter uh, thing that Shiv was talking about, well, we got into a little discussion, and we're blaming first-verse problems, as we usually do. 
uh, he tweeted out a picture of a helmet, a motorcycle helmet, that looked like Animal from the Muppets and Oscar the Grouch from Sesame Street, and sent that to one of the new concept artists at the Austin office and requested these items in the game, which I thought was fantastic. I'm a huge Muppets fan. Um, that got a whole discussion going. One of the concept artists, uh, the, the concept artist in Austin, McGillikitty on Twitter, uh, Megan Cheever, who was in the Around the Verse tabletop discussion, I think, she demanded a hat fight. Uh, and one of the things that they talked about in that Around the Verse episode was that she looks at all kinds of places for references for the in-game art. So I thought, well, what we should do is give her those references that she's looking for. So I call upon every listener in Guard Frequency Land to take a picture of themselves in their favoritest, craziest hat or hats. You know, there's no limit. Multiple hats are welcome. And uh, we will direct Miss Cheever to this thread, and she will select the winner. We will ask her to pick a winner for us, and the winner will get a sticker from Shiv and a T-shirt from Guard Frequency, provided I have it in your size. I think I'm out of XLs now. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So everybody in Guard Frequency land, take a picture of your uh, best hat, put it on our show thread this week. We will have a thread. We'll tweet that out to everybody so that they can get their hats on. And we'll ask Megan to pick her favorite. Be sure to watch your uh, Twitter feed. And if you don't have a Twitter feed, get one and subscribe or follow to at GuardFreak, G-U-A-R-D-F-R-E-Q. From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, Random.org chose a winner, Oblivious. All stickers due will be mailed at any moment. And a reminder of this week's community question, who's ready to play in the rocks in space? Are you grabbing your space pickaxe and hitching up your space donkey for a career in space mining? Let us know. Send an email to squawkyguardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So how was the show? Did we choose wisely or did we choose our fate based on how shiny it looked? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you get in touch with us. Check out our forum posts at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this week's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or start an argument on our Reddit at guardfreak.reddit.com. Leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of Episode 60 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 61 on March the 3rd, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send us a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister publication, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash org slash guardfreak. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager and most frequent guest host, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Trollton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. 
Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. No one's listening out there. The deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Two three three zero. Carol one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero. Stay on the guard. our amazing donors of monetary goodness random.org chose a winner oh, uh, <laughs> that's something i forgot i to think do. justin forgot to do this part yeah okay i thought it was last week's oh. uh should we, should, uh, this is the time of the show where we make good radio yep yep this moment. is uh, uh should, well, a little uh, girl from ipanema jeff what do you think okay and two. one and two, two oh. and three that brings us to the end of episode 60 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 61 on March something. Get that date. March the 3rd. An excellent day, March the 3rd. You know what? I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to actually just spell it out here rather than trying to do it because Justin didn't take random.org winner and I didn't finish this part of our closing. So I'm going to actually spell it out right here so that I can read the words and let the thinking part of my brain disengage from the talking part of my brain as it so often does. Go ahead, Lennon. Put it in the bloopers. You know you want to. Some say the tortured souls on the wrecks obtaining the... Ah. There have been so many accidents at the archaeology site. Archaeology. Um. Um, okay. Well, does anybody have anything else that they want to do? Space. Sorry, audio editor. You're going to have to find a way to cut this I'm down. sorry, Lennon. Are we making your life miserable? Is this too long? Oh, poor Lennon. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, boo-hoo. He'll get that, and he's going to make us sound like idiots this, this, this show. All right. I'll bring us Go up. Go space. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. See how smooth that is when I don't use my brain?